Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick as always. Today we're going to talk about the NFC playoff games and wild card weekends. And we're also going to break down the Super Bowl MVP market. Drew, I did not watch the college uh, national championship game last, last night. I was uh, watching Knicks box and then Nuggets Lakers as uh, Nikola Jokic continues his surge towards a third MVP. What did you make of uh, Georgia PCU? Oh boy, TCU came in with an incredible game plan in no way. <laughs> that was awful. No, I, I thought Dykes Kate was going to at least give us a game effort there, uh, but the defense complete no showed. Uh, Georgia, I thought, was very sharp. Uh, you know, obviously, like everything that they tried to do offensively worked. Um, you know, the, that was a complete and total runaway. The, the free seven points TCU gave them, or I guess 14 points inside the two-minute warning to end the first half, basically put the game on ice. Um, the broadcast itself was a rough hang. Um, a lot of commercials, a long halftime. Uh, not exactly how I would want to kind of, you know, let, you know, ride people off into the sunset of the college football product. But uh, it is what it is. Congratulations to Georgia. They were clearly the best team of uh, those two that played last night. <laughs> so uh, congratulations on a national championship. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a good enough unit and a good enough program that they're going to be back, I'm sure. Uh, and I was like you, uh, after losing an under play that was pretty substantial for me, I was chasing away uh, after I saw the Lakers uh, starting lineup uh bombed bombs away on the lakers team total under 112 as a get as a try to get back there um and then i was up late uh sweating every basket in that fourth quarter as they landed 109 so it did come in under but it was by <laughs> the narrowest of margins so uh that was a wild wild night ultimately um uh you know congratulations to georgia everyone who backed georgia if you if you laid the points with georgia you had a sweat free winner interesting kind of right at the window people were just all the way in on Georgia minus 13, minus 13 and a half. A lot of professional money hit that late. So uh, they had the read and they were correct. Yes. I'm uh, always going to walk with a limp from my uh, Ohio State 35 <laughs> uh, national championship ticket going down. Uh, I will always see Ryan Day uh, in my nightmares. Thanks for playing for a 50-yard field goal. And from uh, first down on the 31 or whatever, that was a, that was a great decision. Uh, I'm sure you feel good today. Yeah, my only feedback on uh, Georgia TCU is that Jalen Brunson scored 44 points last night. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, though, my 121 Jalen Brunson most improved player ticket is still, I think, dead in the water. Uh, yeah, because uh, 
uh, Shea Gilders, Alexander, and Tyrese Halliburton are all out of their minds. Um, I don't know why. Why I don't know why Markkanen isn't favourite in that award. To be honest, he's improved his points per game by ten, and uh, by EPM is the ninth best player in the NBA uh, at the moment, better than Giannis. Wow. Uh, but anyway, it's for another podcast. Let's talk about Seahawks Niners. Line here is Niners minus ten. The total is forty three. This to me feels like, I guess, the the cleanest line. It just to me, it makes sense. It should be ten on the dot. Uh, I don't have a huge lean uh, on this one. I think the most interesting aspect of this game is is figuring out if there's something wrong with the Niners' pass defense. Which quietly, I mean, the Arizona game, you kind of have to throw it out. Yes, they started poorly there, but that wasn't a real NFL team with the great David Blau at quarterback. But they were dreadful against the Raiders, and then also were giving up third and longs for fun against Taylor Heineke the week before. Any concerns around the Niners' defense, or is that just kind of a typical kind of late season looking forward to the a little bit. Uh, certainly the pass defense, uh, they can be passed on. Uh, some of those young players, Hufanga notably, um, slipping a little bit lately. He can be exposed. Um, and you got, you, got a, you got a healthy set of weapons here with the Seahawks now coming in. Um, DK Met- Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, uh, you know, able to stretch the field, certainly. You know, if Geno Smith has a good game here, he's going to be able to score points. And then it's going to be uh, in- incumbent upon Brock Purdy to avoid the playoff debutante stinker. Jay, you know what they say. It's tough to beat a team three times, and the Seahawks uh, have lost decisively twice. (laughs) So the question is, are they going to lose decisively a third time here? Um, I think this is going to be a competitive game, ultimately. Uh, You're getting good news, generally, with the Seahawks from an injury standpoint. The only question mark, really, that existed was Ryan Neal, who matters a lot. Uh, And signs are pointing positively, at least what, uh, you know, what, Pete Carroll was saying yesterday, it's going to be a tough road this week, but he expects him to go. Um, so I think, you know, if Ryan Neal is available, uh, all of a sudden, you know, you have enough pieces defensively if that, you know, they can play up in this game and, uh, and give you just in general a, a reasonable effort. Um, my gut reaction to seeing the opener was like you 10 was perfect. And I thought the total was a little low. Uh, I was inclined to look for Niners team total over as my first first look on this game but now getting information on the you know the the Seahawks defense thinking a little bit about the debutante experience for Brock Purdy um you know there's this there's a lot you know there's a lot of questions really about the Niners uh you know skill position players in terms of role responsibility health uh, outside of George Kittle so um I think this could be a competitive game and I'm probably going to end up taking the points with Seattle uh, I don't think there's really any reason to run to the window and take the 10. I don't think this moves to 9.5. I doubt it moves to 10.5. I think this sits at 10 all week. Uh, you can have 10 uh, on game day, it would be my guess, uh, which is maybe a good reason not to bet it at all. But uh, that said, I think uh, yeah, I, I, I think this is going to be a competitive game. Yeah. I mean, it's a fair adjustment from San Francisco minus 3 in Seattle, which is what it was back in week 15, which is not that long ago. And I think yeah. that the market shifting. And I mean, Seattle's got a fairly similar health situation if Ryan Neal's going to play to that game. But this is just mm-hmm. a reflection on on Brock Purdy uh, apparently being being legitimate. And I mean, the offense has gotten better uh, since moving to Purdy. Now, a lot of that is small sample and playing the Raiders' defense and the Cardinals, you know, not caring about that game and all of that. But at the same time, you know, the offense is still humming. And they're just a weird team to think about the Niners because of the nature of the, the quarterback position and what they've gone through, where on one hand, 
if you look at their offensive production and what they've done defensively over the course of the season, it's like, is this just is this just the best team in football by a meaningful stretch? And then on the other hand, you think like, well, unfortunately, I've watched basically every snap Brock Purdy has played. And I've seen interceptions <laughs> and the Brock pick sixes and yeah. the time bailed out. And There's a lot I of guess them. Ultimately, you just land where the market has, where they're probably the third or fourth best team in the NFL, but hugely high variance where they can absolutely beat everyone. Uh, and also, I feel that, you know, Purdy probably has it in him to, to lose to the Vikings as well. That wouldn't be absolutely shocking. So, uh, yeah, I think the market has it right on this game. And if I had a play, it would be the over. Okay. Uh, final thought real quick. It's been a very emotional season with the Seahawks in this podcast, me personally, <laughs> but uh, we had highs, we had lows. Uh, they, I don't think deserve to be here. Um, this should be the lion spot. Um, but all said and done, Shane Waldron has done a very, very admirable job of crafting an, an offense that takes advantage of, you know, certain mismatches. Uh, and as we mentioned, like, yes, the pass rush for the Niners defense is all universe. Nick Bosa is the best defensive player in football right now. Like there's not a lot of, uh, you know, ways you can ding those guys, but outside of Shavarius Ward, they don't have real outstanding coverage. Uh, and so I think this kind of comes down to, can you get your tight ends involved? Can you get your, uh, running backs involved in a plus EV way? Uh, through the air here because DK Metcalf probably not going to have a huge game, but Tyler Lockett should be able to, uh, you know, to find a lot of uh, opportunities in this one. So um, banking a little bit here on the Shane Waldron experience, keeping this competitive and, you know, assuming a Brock Purdy comes through this one unscathed uh, and the team, you know, kind of carries him across the finish line here, then you're thinking Super Bowl for this Niners team because I, I really, uh, you know, if you can kind of avoid him playing you out of the playoffs in his first ever playoff game, then I think uh, you have clearly the best team in the NFC. Yep. I do think as a 10 point dog, I guess maybe the Seahawks are a bit more live than most to actually win this game. Just there is a fair bit of high variance yeah. at both quarterback positions. I mean, maybe Geno's lost that just because he's been bad for two months, but still, he is a pretty high variance quarterback in that he makes all the throws, Geno. And the dime touchdown that he threw to Tyler Lockett was as good a pass as, as anyone has thrown in the NFL this year. And then he also just throws two absolutely brain dead picks. Uh, and then on the other side, Purdy as well makes all the throws and then also just has inexplicable mistakes. So I do think that, you know, it's not, uh, you know, there are other big lines on the boards. I don't think, for instance, that the Dolphins as a similarly priced underdog are as live against the Bills. Um, as Great the point. Might be against Great point. Giants. All right. Before we get into Giants Vikings, just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play. And you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen during the wildcard round and in the Premier League, including two shots at $100,000 by guessing the outcome in our Sunday Night 7 contest between the Chargers and Jags, as well as the Ravens and Bengals. All right, stay in the NFC. Let's talk about Giants Vikings line here is bouncing around a little bit between two and a half and three with the Vikings favored total of 48 and a half. What's your read on this one? Perfect, perfect number. <laughs> there are a handful of games every season where you simulate the outcome and you have a bright giant modal spike at the favorite winning by three, the home favorite winning by three. This is one of those games. Um, the, and I, it, I, and I honestly, like, I can't, 
stress this enough. Like, uh, it's such a high expectation uh, outcome that if this moves off of three in either direction, I have a plus EV bet which is, it's fun. I mean, that's a fun way to just watch this market. Um, I don't think that realistically uh, the Vikings should be favored by more than three over anyone in this field. And I don't think you can necessarily expect the Giants to, uh, you know, to, to, you know, to be in the game that would warrant them two and a half point dogs. So uh, I'm watching this one closely. I tried to get two and a half on the opener. Didn't get a, didn't get a fill at all. Um, so I don't think it's going back down. If anything, this may go to Minnesota minus three and a half. If people talk themselves into the Vikings, because this is Daniel Jones's first ever playoff game. Um, but if that happens, then I'm going to be back in the giants at three and a half. So um, Vikings, I think ultimately are a team that you cannot trust to do anything in this playoffs at all. That said, uh, beating a team at home that has b- this l- little talent and has this little experience in the playoffs is a reasonable expectation. Um, I think the my gut feeling was to play an over here on the opener just because of what we saw in the first matchup between these two where it felt like points were left on the field and that total closed in the same range. Um, but the more I study that game and the more I think about just sort of the flukiness and sort of the, the you know, the second, you know, familiarity between opponents combined with uh, some of the injuries, particularly on the Viking side of the ball with the offensive line, uh, the less I'm inclined to bet this over. So I think uh, total probably, if anything, now at 48 and a half is a little too high. Uh, and I would expect that, uh, you know, I'm either no action whatsoever on this game or I'm taking plus three and a half with the Giants if we see it. Yep. I think the Giants, there is a little bit of upside on their defense where we haven't really seen them healthy all season. But now I think with Adoree Jackson, who looks like he's going to come back and he's their best cornerback um, pretty comfortably. Kayvon Thibodeau uh, continues to look better each week since he's got his injury earlier in the season. And you've already got Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams and you've got, uh, I was going to call him Weston McKinney, but he plays for Juventus. Um, maybe- <laughs> coming back um, at safety alongside Julian Love. So I do think there is talent on this defense. I think that that pass rush banged up Minnesota offensive line. I think that, yeah. that is that is the main reason why it was Minnesota minus four and a half a few weeks ago. And now same team, same location is down to minus three. I don't think that's so much. Of, I mean, Vikings got destroyed by the Packers, but that was a very wonky game with some strange turnovers. Uh, and then the Giants, congratulations, they blew out Jeff Saturday's Colts and then sat everyone. So I do think it is the line movement there is more about Minnesota's injury situation, um, which is a bit of a concern. Do you think that either of these teams have any upside to do anything against San Francisco or Philadelphia? No, winners drawing dead in round two. Um, and and, and to, the, to that point, I think we as betters should root for one of these teams to look really good. <laughs> like if one of these teams has their best week of the season, that'd be, that'd be fine. I'd be, I'd be fired up by that because I, you know, any kind of, uh, any kind of upward correction uh, coming out of this game, I think would be, um, you know, short-sighted, um, you know, sp- recency bias and uh would bet against the team in the next round so yeah i i don't see any positive matchups for the vikings against the likes of the uh um against the likes of the niners if that's their matchup in the two three um if the vikings are hosting whoever um you know wins the four five matchup i'm gonna be pretty excited to bet either the cowboys or the bucks in that road spot um that'll be a that'll be a really interesting handicap and a really fun one so i'm not saying i want the niners to lose to the seahawks it would if it happens it you know it's 
um, you know, it'll make for a fun second round handicap. But uh, yeah, no, I think uh, I think either of these teams is effectively drawn dead in the next round. And, you know, you don't need any more evidence of Giants versus Eagles and how that plays out. We've, we've seen that enough, I think. Yeah, I don't think there's whatever happens. I don't think there's any chance that the market is going to buy the New York Giants. I think there is a chance that it might buy the Minnesota Vikings a little bit. And it's weird to say this about a team that won. They end up winning 13 games. That's insane. Um, <laughs> we'd say this about a team that won 13 games. But I do think the Vikings are better than they've shown this season um, because they probably played it. You know, they should have been a nine and eight team or ten and seven. But I think that they have upside and they have talent. Um, that goes beyond what they put out on the field and that should exceed their their market rating. When you look at the talent on the roster, like why isn't this offense better? Like this offense, even now the offensive line is screwed up. But prior to that, like this team had a good offensive line. TJ Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, the resurgent KJ Osborne, like Kirk I, I don't understand why this offense hasn't been a top seven unit all season. Um, but you know, at this point, it is what it is. I think probably gonna figure out some things with this game. Yeah, I, I realistically, the offense. It, there are a lot of overrated pieces. I think Thielen's well past his prime. Dalvin sure. Cook has taken a massive step back this season. Dalvin Cook is not the game breaker he was even last year, let alone two seasons ago. And Kirk Cousins, well, his ceiling is like top ten quarterback, and his floor is like top 15 so he's coming in a very narrow range but he's never really going to elevate all the pieces on the field outside of justin jefferson they really are very very lean when it comes to true talent i think uh the rest of the pieces just have put up decent numbers decent you know you know any given week fantasy against a bad defense they're going to give you 30 points but um no i think i i i am not a buyer at all in the 2013 playoff minnesota vikings and uh, i don't think this is the time to pit the eject button on them because there's just way, way, way too big of a talent to spare. But yeah, even still, like we did the thought exercise with Nick last week. Coaching is better for the Giants. A little bit more confidence in the defense for the Giants. If Daniel Jones shows up and gives you, you know, a, a, a B or an A effort in his first ever playoff game, which is a stretch because that doesn't happen often, uh, then you know Giants are winning this one. But I, I'm I'm kind of hopeful that we have another opportunity to sell this uh, Vikings team before it's all said and done. Fickle. All right, uh, let's quickly hit a comment uh, around the Giants. Would you take plus three? Minus <clears throat> I probably wouldn't. No. Would no. You, Drew? no. 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 Not a not a minus one ten. No. Yep. I think uh, the push the push probability on the this game landing three is in the top three per, two two or three percent of games I've simmed all season long. Like yep. it's crazy. Uh, there's, you know, there's just not enough separation between these teams. Vikings, the way that they play games, they play games close. Um, and, uh, you know, the, just in general, uh, um, giants being more well coached being, you know, having the better defense, you know, realistically, they should, uh, they should be competitive here. So then giants with the injury advantage too, it's worth noting, like, you know, Vikings aren't coming in healthy for sure. All right, let's quickly touch on Cowboys at Bucks. We'll focus on this game more on Monday's show leading up to the game. But Cowboys minus two and a half now, uh, minus 115. Uh, the minus on points bet uh, in Tampa, the total is 45 and a half. Now, the look ahead on this was more in the four, four and a half range. And then Cowboys get downgraded again after just the pitiful performance against Anders. Dak goes 14 for 37. It's unbelievable. Uh, are you selling Cowboys after what they've shown the past month? 
I am. Okay, you're out. I'm out. Uh, if they had, you know, a, a more stable situation in the, you know, with that the head coach position, I would be more inclined to give them a pass. The idea that Mike McCarthy is going to figure this out, that's a stretch. Um, he's still going to make decisions in game, in this game, close game like this. He's going to make decisions that, you know, put his team at a disadvantage in terms of kicking field goals, punting, going forward, et cetera. The Dallas Cowboys still have, they are determined to give a portion of their offensive plays to Zeke Elliott against this Tampa Bay run defense. Best of luck. Um, you know, the Cowboys have one game breaker, as far as I can tell you, just because, you know, Tony Pollard's dealing with a number of injuries just hasn't really been the same down the stretch. So their only game breaker really is CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb matches up against Jamel Dean. Jamel Dean I have rated relatively high in terms of coverage grade. Uh, the Tampa Bay defense runs a very aggressive scheme. They're going to be blitz heavy in this one. They're going to try to put Dak Pres Prescott under uh, pressure early and often and force a, a bad Dak performance out of this game. Um, if you remember a lot of other examples of that particular setup, it did not go well for Dak. Last year against the Niners in the playoffs, a great example. This year to start the season against the Bucs, great example. Like Prescott is not operating well when he's under pressure. Bucks are going to try to put him in that spot. Um, in general, the Bucks defense has a ton of players who are dealing with injuries. And that is the only, only, only modicum of pause before firing a nuke on the Bucks to win this game for me. The... Uh, if Vita Vea is not 100%, if uh, Mike, Edward, Mike Edwards and Carlton Davis aren't going here, um, all of a sudden you're pretty thin uh, overall with talent on this defense, and Cowboys may be able to find success offensively to put you in a tight spot. The Bucks offense matches up well against the Cowboys, uh, as far as I can tell you. Um, starting to see some chemistry between Brady and Mike Evans. Certainly the game against the uh, Carolina Panthers should give you some glimmer of hope that the Bucks are going to get into the 20s here from a scoring point standpoint. And that may be all you really need if your defense is doing what they have done every time they've gone up against Prescott uh, in recent memory. So uh, I think this is Bucks still is the right side, although the injury report matters a ton. Um, I would like to see Donovan Smith healthy. I'd like to see Robert Hainsey healthy. I'd like to see Mike Evans get a full complement of snaps in practice this week. Vita Vea matters a ton. Uh, as I mentioned, Mike Edwards and Carlton Davis, I also want to see uh, reports that they are trending to play. So if the Bucks are, are, you know, used their bye last week well and, you know, are coming out fully healthy, I think they win this game. And Cowboys uh, probably move on from Mike McCarthy. Yeah, I... I think the Cowboys are the strangest team in the league now. They're very difficult to get a handle on between the health, between reading too much or not enough into that Commanders game where they like they kind of needed it because they still had the NFCs at stake, but they probably knew that they didn't really have the NFCs at stake because the Eagles were 16.5-point favorites against the Giants. I kind of skew towards not waiting that game too much, and I still think the offense is is legitimate uh the fact that you take out that commander's game like they have been you know it's been an elite offense the past two months really since Dak came back they put up 40 against minnesota 28 against the giants 54 against yes the colts um you know they light up they Dak did whatever he wanted against that eagles defense uh putting up 40 on them just three weeks ago so i still believe in the offense but i think the you know, the number one, two, three defense that it was earlier in the season. I think that's just gone. I think there's just too many guys 
missing now. I think that they're too banged up at corner. I know there's been a lot of uh, focus, I guess, on Micah Parsons slipping out of the Defensive Player of the Year race. Like He's not the problem. He's been fine. His pressure rate, everything, that is stable. He's just not gotten the sacks, which can be fluky in a small sample, whereas he's probably overachieving his sack total earlier in the season. But, I mean, the secondary just is not an elite unit at the moment. We'll see what happens with Van Der Esch. Um, but I still i am not giving up on the Cowboys. And, I mean, yeah, if they were going up against, uh, I'd say, a better coach team, um, then I would be a little bit more concerned. But I don't think the Bucs are that well coached either. That's so true. if it if this two and a half gets down to minus 110 uh, on Dallas's side, then I might be interested in Dallas. If it's at three, I'd probably skew Tampa. So I think the market has arrived in the right place. Uh, so let me, ask, let me ask you to help me understand something here. This these two teams played week one, yeah. Uh, and obviously, there's been a lot of football played between then and now. Um, Tampa was in Dallas and closed two and a half point favorites. Um, all I can really tell you about the difference between that Tampa team and this Tampa team is that Shaq Barrett is gone, and they have had 18 weeks to find some chemistry that they didn't have from the preseason. Yeah, the difference think- between that Dallas team and this team is Michael Gallup is back. And then a bunch of guys are kind of banged up uh, like they're, they're missing pieces in the secondary. Like I, I, I get it that like the priors needed to be adjusted down for the bucks when we started the year and up for the Cowboys. Um, but enough to flip to where Cowboys are realistically market favorite in this game. Is that, you know, like, like what is the process that has gotten to this strong of an adjustment between these two teams over the balance of the season? I think the biggest thing is just every week Tom Brady needing to throw the ball 50 times to get to 280 yards and one passing touchdown. Like I think it's the Bucks offense, which coming into the season, we thought that, you know, Brady was top five in MVP odds. Um, the Bucks offense projected as being elite. Um, they just haven't figured it out with they haven't figured it out with the offensive line. Evans has had a really inconsistent season. Godwin's been great. I think Brady's been better than people give him credit for as well. Like, I think the Bucs have the quarterback advantage in this matchup, which didn't look like it would be the case two months ago. Um, and I guess what this game really hinges on is that Dak Prescott has not been good this season. Yeah. Um, and he's had flashes where he was amazing against the Eagles outside of the pick six. That wasn't good. But everything <laughs> else outside of the pick six. Take away the bad plays. He was unbelievable. (laughs) I mean, you see it with Dak, like the third and 30 pass to T.Y. Hilton. When he's on, um, he is as good as it gets. But, you know, he's the the 21st ranked quarterback by PFF grade this season, Dak Prescott. Uh, He's been dreadful under pressure. But I do think what this game will largely hinge on is that the Bucs don't have any pass rush at all without Shaq Barrett. They cannot get pressure with four. They're going to have to blitz. And so it's probably going to, you know, it'll hinge on whether Dak's throwing deep bombs to T.Y. Hilton uh, against the Blitz and connecting or whether he's uh, whether he's throwing pick sixes to Jamal Dane. So uh, someone that we'll get more into on Monday. But let's talk about Super, Super Bowl MVP. But before we do, download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the Initial wager. Points bet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the Points Bet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1 800 Gambler for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800Gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1 800 522 4700. In Iowa, call 1 800 Bets Off. In Indiana, Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369. In New York, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867. In Louisiana. Super Bowl MVP is always a very fun market, particularly for the playoffs. Generally, by the time the Super Bowl comes around, the market is adjusted. But now, I think there's always value. And I think the value is, is that the market either doesn't weight quarterback win equity enough, which I think is the case with Patrick Mahomes every single season. Uh, and sometimes it weights it way too much, which I think it's doing with Brock Purdy at the moment. So what... What is your kind of overall read on this market? Stay away from the AFC quarterbacks. Um, they have to play each other to get to the Super Bowl. So if you want to capture equity in this market, I think you are trying to prey on the fact that the current uh, bracket is imbalanced. The good teams are all on one side, which means that if you're making a bet and you were trying to capture equity, you're trying to pick off a player who realistically is going to shorten significantly on the NFC winning team. That could, and, and, and it's easy to rule some teams out. I don't think the Seahawks have a realistic chance to win the NFC. I don't think the Giants have a realistic chance to win the NFC. I don't think the Vikings have a realistic chance to win the NFC. We have already ruled out three of the seven teams, which means you are really shopping prices now between four teams. And I think you go through the exercise then of who's the most likely 
to shorten for any given team among those four, and that's the Eagles, the Niners, the Cowboys, and the Bucks. Uh, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the obvious answer is Tom Brady shouldn't be 30 to one. If Tom Brady and the Bucks get to the Super Bowl, what is his price going to be for MVP? Plus 150, plus 200. I mean, whatever. It's going to be the same as the Bucks money line in that in that spot, right? So it, I think uh, you know the only kind of obvious answer is if the Bucks get there, Brady's going to be sort of the outsized recipient of the equity of MVP, and so that's probably where you want to shoot and try to capture among the four teams that I think realistically could get there. There are too many candidates, too much credit to share for the Cowboys. I don't. I'm and as we just covered, I'm not a Prescott believer anyway. Um, there are too many candidates on the Eagles. Just a very talented team. Hertz is you know rightfully the guy that you would expect to get the the Lions share of the credit there, but you know great receivers on that team uh you know meaningfully uh you know solid you know contributors all over that roster so i think the eagles are a stay away just because of how many you know people could be considered uh and then when it comes to the niners i agree with you that purdy is insanely priced at 12 to 1 if the niners win the super bowl if they get there and win the super bowl it's because of purdy that will be the upset of the millennium and not worth getting a 12 to 1 price on uh it's going to be because of their defense it's going to be someone on the defense and or christian mccaffrey is going to be uh you know kind of a, a standout blow up sort of down the stretch sort of uh you know uh player for them so uh i would look for some of the not quarterbacks on the niners or brady in this market uh, and or just stay away entirely where are you at yeah i said I disagree with one part on the AFC and that I think that Mahomes, where he's plus 425 to win MVP and the Chiefs are plus 325 to win the Super Bowl. And so if you think that Patrick Mahomes is more than an 80.6% chance to win MVP if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, then that's a good bet. And I do think he's more than that. I think he's yeah, above 90% equity. Um, but yeah, I agree with Allen and, and Burrow. I wouldn't necessarily go there uh, because I don't believe in the Super Bowl prices of those teams being value, whereas I think the Chiefs, as the one seed, um, still are. Yeah, I like the look on Brady. I think with, to me, the most interesting team in the market is San Francisco because they're the best blend of being relatively short to win the Super Bowl and then also having a quarterback who I think is less than a 50% chance to win MVP. Uh, so that's where value presents itself. So I think McCaffrey is probably like a, probably 20 to 25% win equity for the 49ers if they win the Super Bowl. But to me, the two interesting guys are Nick Bosa and George Kittle, uh, who are available at huge prices, where I think they're both around 8 to 10% win equity. Uh, and if people agree with that, then their prices in the market are value, um, you know, well north of... Basically, by that estimation, anything north of 60 to 1 is a bet on those guys, and those prices are available. Kittle has caught multiple touchdown passes three of the past four games. Um, if you go back through the game logs, I think that of the 15 games he was healthy, Nick Bosa would have won MVP of those regular season games definitely twice, and there were another two games where he really would have had a case. So if you're getting to four out of 15, um, and the odds are implying that he's more like a you know, one in 20, then that doesn't really add up necessarily, particularly when you look at Brock Purdy on the other side. So I think those are the interesting guys in this market. So I would play Mahomes, Bosa, Kittle, mm -hmm. uh, 
And uh, just uh, just for the record, the coach is not eligible for MB- Super Bowl. MVP, right? <laughs> well, yeah, Kyle Shanahan. Probably know. not going to give it to Shanahan. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's, he's in the discussion. He's in the discussion. We'll to go. I'm, uh, I'm a little bit worried that Kyle Shanahan's going to win NBA MVP over Nick. <laughs> <laughs> he's got that Cooper Cup whiff to him uh, in terms of just stealing all the awards this year, right? Uh, yeah. Best, yeah, best best actor. actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> We've got a quick comment here, uh, I believe, on AJ Brown. Uh, hey, guys, uh, it's from Aaron Campbell. I might just be chasing another cup bet, but does AJ Brown feel a little big at 50-1 to 1 of the four elite quarterbacks? It feels like Hurts might be the most realistic to be outplayed by their own wide receiver. Yeah, I definitely think there's an angle in terms of fading Hurts in the market. Like, I, look, he's much more of a chance than Brock Purdy, for instance. Hurts is probably going to finish second or third in MVP. Um, and just with how badly bad he looked against the Giants as well, maybe he's not 100% healthy. Um, I'd have to break down the win equity, but I would suggest that off the top of my head, Hertz is like a 60% chance if the Eagles yeah, win. I'd make him favorite over the field, maybe a little bit bigger. Um, but of that remaining 40%, and if you think that you know right now the Eagles' price um, to win the Super Bowl is plus 475, so plus 520 fair, that type of range. And so, yeah, I think that A.J. Brown around 50 to 1, that sounds about right. What do you think, Drew? Yeah, the Eagles are a really fun conversation to have independently because if they get to the Super Bowl, I have a very different price portfolio for her price distribution for Hertz if he is a dog versus if it's expected to be a 50-50 kind of game. If he is a three, three or four point dog to the likes of the Chiefs or the Bills and the Eagles win, then Hurts should be like 70, 80% MVP uh, share, right? If it's a 50, 50 ish game to the likes of like the Bengals or if they're even favored over somebody like the Jags, then you're probably talking about, you know, Hurts, you know, that someone can steal, right? Like some standout performer from the Eagles could steal. And then Hurts is maybe only like 50%. So I think it's a little bit opponent. Uh, dependent, uh, you know, what what Hertz's price ought to be because, again, if they get the upset, I think he'll be sort of assumed as the, you know, the reason why. And if they, but if they just take care of business against a team that they're expected to beat, then someone could steal. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think as well, there's an element of, you know, if they're going to win, if Nagel's going to win Super Bowl MVP, they're most likely leading the Super Bowl in the second half. And Sirianni has shown that he will <laughs> run the ball a ton in the second half. Um, but again, obviously you can win playing from behind and throwing mm-hmm. as well. So I think 50 to one is probably about right for AJ Brown. Top of my head, I'd say he's like around 10% win equity for the Eagles. That type definitely the highest among the skill position players. But yeah, I think Miles Sanders is probably interesting. It's a long shot just because of the nature of how they run the ball in the second half. All right, Drew, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to subscribe and rate us. We'll be back tomorrow. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.